Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast, um, which is sponsored by the Charles Louis Group, which is an advisory business. They advise on development, finance, mortgage advice and estate agency. They started out life as a simple mortgage company offering buy-to-let, first-time buyer and moving home mortgages. But these days they provide support for the whole property transaction process, including an independent estate agent and an expert commercial financial team and a renowned mortgage team. Um, and they are led by a guy called Dave, who's a City fan. So uh, if you are moving or you know somebody who's moving or your company's moving, then I would please ask that you go to them and, and see what they've got to say because they're supporting me and this podcast. So you would support them back as a sort of token of gratitude. And I don't actually think they'll do you a bad job. I actually think they'll do you a great job. So I highly recommend them because I've, I've met the people uh, and they are good people. Uh, now, we're recording this, I should say, straight away on a Sunday evening when things could change quite rapidly in the sense that at the moment, we don't know where the venue, for sure anyway, is going to be of the Champions League final. It could be, and at the moment is, in Istanbul, but there's talk of it moving to England, Scotland, Wales, or even Portugal at the moment. So all sorts of things could happen in the next day or two. By the time you're listening to this, um, and you hear us talking about this subject a little later on in the podcast, you'll think, well, why are they saying that? So the reason is that we're recording this on Sunday night. Now, we're recording it after City lost 2-1 at home to Chelsea, and then United won um, 3-1 at Aston Villa. So there were two opportunities for City to have won the league this, this weekend, uh, but neither, of course, have happened so far. The next opportunity will be when United next play against Leicester. Joining me tonight um, was supposed to be, um, so if you've seen the billing and you're thinking, where is he? Uh, I don't know at the moment where he is. Uh, I'm sure he'll have his apologies and maybe we'll have him on another week. But Terry Phelan, the former City left-back, was due to be on with us. Uh, but we ha- and he has, isn't here at the moment. He might join us later. Uh, but we have two Adams tonight, just to make it even more confusing for you. We've got Adam W. <laughs> That's what we're going to call you, Adam W. And Adam P. Um, so... Thanks to the Adams um, and Louisa, who's also who's filling in effectively uh, for Terry Phelan. So let, let me start by asking you about the game yesterday. Last time City did this and fielded a, a team that wasn't as strong and lost, I'm talking about the home game against Leeds United, um, I said my piece and felt that it was uh, unfair for people who were expecting City to win. And I just got shouted down, not just by the people on the podcast, but people on social media saying, well, you know, what, what's your problem, so to speak? Because it's all part of a plan to keep players fresh so that they can be ready, you know, to play in the big games. So that's what's happened again this time. At this time, though, it seems to me as if there's been a little bit more upset on social media uh, because this could have been the title winning game. So I just wonder how... Let's start with the Adams. We'll leave Louisa to last for once because we normally let her go first. But we'll go with the Adams first. Let's start with Adam P. How do you feel about the fact that Pep picked her, his, let's face it, his second string, rested his most of his key players? Probably only two of those players who played against Chelsea are probably going to start Champions League final. So we have to accept that as a, you know, a, a second string. Were you disappointed? Did you completely understand why he did it? What's your reaction to it? Uh, well, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to give Pep all the glory when things go well. So I feel like he has to carry the can when, when they don't. Um, it, he did make it clear that he didn't think it was vital to win that game. And and, and that's what I don't understand, really. I, I feel like we needed to try and beat Chelsea, not just to clinch the lead, but to keep the pressure on them, keep them working hard and fighting for their top four spot would be, would be to the long-term advantage when we come to the Champions League final. And it seems to me that he... He's, unless there were so many first-choice players that just weren't physically fit, I don't know why he did it, really. And I'm sure we'll come on to Sergio at some point, but as a, as a manager, whether you're managing a football team or managing in any, in any walk of life, you need to have an, an understanding of where, you, where your people's heads are at. And it seemed to me that Sergio just, just wasn't a right pick yesterday. I know that's easy to say with hindsight, but it's touch looked off anyway. And the, and the penalty... Well, I don't know if we're going to come to that later, but... I, I Talk just, about oh, it now, if you want, Adam. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's obviously been a big talking point. It's completely unprofessional. And, and, you know, of course, Sergio's got all his credit in the bank that he's had, you know, for all the great stuff that he's done. But 
that was a kick that would have basically won a league title. And it seemed to me he was thinking about the photo on the back page of tomorrow's papers rather than just putting the ball in the net. Any player should be able to find a, find a bottom corner with a penalty. Sergio's already got a pretty sketchy record on penalties anyway. So what he was thinking doing that, I'm, I'm just gobsmacked by. And, I, and I'm surprised that he came out for the second half. Um, and, I, and I know Pep would never slaughter a player in public, but I really hope he's dressed him down afterwards about that. Because And, you know, I don't know if he, if he can play Sergio again before the title's clinched. I mean, obviously, he's apologised, Sergio. And as you say, he's got a lot of credit in the bank. Um, if that had gone in, then everybody would have said what a great penalty. And you saw the graphic that came up on the screen just before the kick was made, which showed that Aguero always put him in the bottom left as you look at the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper's right. And he tried to do something different and anticipated that Mendy was going to jump to his right, which he sort of started to do, but then read the run-up and hesitated a little bit. And that was why he made the save. It was crying out for me for him to side-foot it the other way. But I don't... Listen, I took two penalties at Main Road uh, when in Paul Lake's testimonial and, and missed them both. One at the bar and one went wide. So what have I... How can I possibly have an opinion on that? Um... What do you think the other Adam, Adam W? On the penalty, I, I thought it was just a poorly taken penalty. I mean, we've seen those sort of penalties go in um, quite often. I remember Sergio did one like that in the League Cup against Wolves. We were struggling a few years ago. It was in the lead up to our first of the four League Cups that we've got. I was behind the goal for that one. I thought, oh, what a penalty. And yesterday could have been the same, but it felt like it was really loopy and gave, gave Mendy too long to read it for me. So I think if he would have executed it well enough, it would, you know, it would have been fine because Mendy would have been sold um, by the run-up and he would have dove and fully committed and then it would have sailed into the net. But it was too loopy, it was too easy to read and he was able to get back up and catch it pretty easily. Um, so I think rather than me heading down the unprofessional side, I'd just say it was just poor, poor execution of, a, of an option of, of how to take a penalty for me. It really annoyed me. Um, it annoyed me personally more than looking at, Man City because I wanted us to win it yesterday. You know, it's first game that I was watching with my whole family for for well since the last last season's cup final before the pandemic. Um, so looking forward to it. The the champagne bottles were already um, the plastic came off at half time, uh, ready ready to go, and it just wasn't to be. And I think the penalties become the fo- the focal point for it. But in reality, you know, the team was weaker. I don't blame Pep for putting out that weakened team. I was questioning why we only had one midfielder, but I understood why he changed it because, you know, we just come away from a Champions League semi-final and to play your strongest eleven again just seemed a bit of a strange decision when you've got players that you need to keep happy and also players you need to keep fit uh, by giving them a rest. So I completely understood the starting lineup, But yeah, I was just frustrated by the execution of the penalty and that's I understand why that's got a lot of fans' backs up because it's it's led to the fact that we didn't win it. So frustrated, but... I understand it. I was a little bit surprised uh, that the strength of feeling against the Aguero penalty. And actually, you know, I, I was more disappointed by his failure to ex- execute the one that Raheem Sterling turned in because, you know, it wasn't as if that that was difficult for him, really. It felt like, a, you know, I, I, I said before I took two penalties at Main Road in Paul Lake's testimonial and missed them. But I actually think I could have probably turned that one in, that Aguero... Was you know it had it stolen away by Raheem Sterling? I mean that was that was meat and drink to him, wasn't it? Shouldn't that have focused his mind though? Because it was only about two minutes before the penalty, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. But what did you think, Louisa, of the you know the team that was selected? Were you disappointed by that? I, I guess if the Champions League final was next weekend, everybody would have understood it. I guess if City couldn't have won the Premier League yesterday everybody would have understood it but the fact that you know that this was an opportunity to put it to bed um, and then to be able to uh, not relax well yeah I guess relax and, and rest and rotate in the remaining three three Premier League games and the fact you'd won it 
in your own ground. I know there's no fans there, but in your own ground, made it the made it perfect to win. So did that frustrate you, or did you completely understand that he didn't want to risk? And I should say, by the way, Stones was suspended. That's why he wasn't involved. And I believe that KDB has a bit of a problem with a hamstring. It might not be a full pull, but a, but a you know a worry of that. That's why he wasn't involved. Other than that, though, he could have picked anybody, couldn't he? Yeah, I kind of, I believe that you should just put your strongest team out every single game because you just need to win every single game. And yeah, we've pretty much got the league wrapped up, but you still can't take that for granted that that, that it is until it is. So I don't, I didn't really like that lineup. Um, you know, there were still people on the bench that you just saw, you know, even like Mares and, and whatever. Why is he not starting them? Um, I feel that Aguero coming back, starting a match and then him stepping up to take that penalty was maybe a little bit cocky or was it arrogant? Was it overconfidence you know to take a penalty is a big responsibility and a lot of players actually don't want to step up and don't want to take them so it's fair enough if somebody puts the hand up and says yeah I'll do it but I just think with his first, this game that he's just come back he's been missing for so long I, I didn't feel comfortable with him taking it anyway let, let alone in hindsight yeah if he'd have scored it and would have won the game this might be a completely different conversation, but it isn't. And, and we it, this this is what happened. Um, so I didn't like him taking it and he took it and I thought it was atrocious for his quality and his skill to have thought that he could outthink a goalkeeper like that was it, it was it was a rookie mistake from my point of view. To, to, to totally misjudge that goalkeeper because that goalkeeper is a, a great goalkeeper. So, um, you know, I think somebody else could and should have stepped up and taken that um, if he was going to play stupid idiots and mess around with it. Just bang the ball straight at the goalkeeper. Just hit it straight at him, you know? <laughs> Maybe I've got a different take on this because, you know, when, when Aguero picked up the ball, I thought, great. Aguero can now equal Rooney's record of scoring the goals for, for one club and, you know, and, and he'll then probably have three more league games to go. Well, and, maybe and that's hoping... why he did it. Maybe that's why he did it, because he was thinking about that. Everyone was thinking about that number and that headline and that match and, and not just the fact that it's matching another player in another team. It's Rooney and it's Manchester United. You know, and I think that that was on everybody. Yeah, go on, you take it. Let's get this headline. No, I didn't like it. I kind of felt that the game, it could be a decoy to put Chelsea off from the Champions League final. Who knows? But I don't think it would be a decoy. That's a bit silly. I think he should have played the team pretty much as what he's going to play it in that final. Um, just so the players know exactly what they're going to do in that final because that final is the most important match now from my point of view so the players that are going to be on the pitch in that final needed to have been on the pitch in that game with and again you see I would disagree with that and I've got a feeling Adam might as well I'm talking about Adam W here um, because to me the last thing I'd want to do and the one reason I can understand why I didn't do it was because you don't want to feel that team. He didn't feel them in the semi-final of the FA Cup, almost as if he knew the season was going to end with his Champions League final. The one time we played Chelsea this season with a full-strength team, we won comfortably at Stamford Bridge. So to me, you don't declare your hand in this game. Is no, that what you're going to they, say? They, they all do the research. They all know yeah. how our well, players play. Oh, of course. Play. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I accept It's not that. a surprise, is it? It's not a surprise how we, how we play. I guess not. Go on, Adam. I'd, I'd say it was for a different reason. I think it's pure fitness. You know, the last thing that I would have wanted is yesterday. Mares to start, De Bruyne to start with a dodgy leg, Bernardo to start, and then them get injured. Because that, that could have happened. And then they're out for months and that's it. And the Champions League's done. So I'm quite happy for for the for the as long as we as long as we do eventually win this title, and we will. United will, will drop points in the next three or four days, sadly, and we'll win it uh, in that way. Um, I'm quite happy for us to play the youth team until the Champions League final. As long as we, as long as we roll the league over, I don't care. I don't care if Aguero gets the record. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. As long as we end that Champions League final with a fully fit eleven that started that Paris Saint Germain game, I'm very not bothered. I'd want Aguero to play in the last three games once once the title's wrapped up. Go on, Adam P. 
Yeah, I was just going to I was just going to agree with that point, really. Like I said, trying to say before that, it, it, you know, it, it, it all hangs on Pep. And if he ends up, he's deliver if he delivers us the Champions League and the league title, then it doesn't matter how we've got there. If we get there then it's all kudos to Pep. And he's made that he's made that choice yesterday that he was willing to not willing to sacrifice the game, but he was not prioritizing that game. And that's his decision. Uh, and if and if it turns out, you know, if it turns out to be the right one, then all credit to him. It's just disappointing on the on the day. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Champions League because it deserves us waxing lyrical about it. I mean, I was lucky enough to be in the stadium working for Sony TV in India, and so I had a perfect view of it. And uh, I've seen a lot of football in my lifetime. I've seen everything from Bell Lee Summerby to this present team. And there are some fantastic players, some fantastic games. And games I've actually probably enjoyed more, partly because there was a crowd there and just partly because there were better games. But I, the way I described the performance against Paris Saint-Germain was that it was as near perfect as a team per, per, um, performance that I've ever seen. You know, every single one of the 11, it felt like contributed equally. Everybody was on exactly the same page. There were no mistakes made. Uh, and to do that in a semi-final of a Champions League against a team like Paris Saint-Germain um, just blew my mind, really. I mean, how good was that performance for you? I can see Adam W's chomping at the bit, so let's uh, let's let Adam go first. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I thought, you know, Paris Saint-Germain clearly came to just go at us. And at the start, I thought I was quite worried. I was thinking these are going to... They could have had a couple of goals in the first, say, say 10 minutes. Um, but then from then on, we sort of settled our nerves and really, really grew into the game. And we looked like a counter-attacking team at times, you know. We, we took the ball off them and we did something that I've been quite critical of City uh, this season, if we can be critical about something, is actually attack with pace. Because I always find that when we get the ball, our transition's too slow and we end up... By the time we've arrived at the opposition's box, they're all back and they've got two banks of four there and then you, you're struggling to break through again. But against Paris Saint-Germain, you know, the, the Edison ball was a key example of it for the first goal, straight over towards Zinchenko. And we knew the lads were arriving at the box at the exact right time. Um, and although it took a deflection towards Mahrez, Mahrez was there to put the ball in the net. And that happened on quite a few occasions. And we could have got, you know, four or five on the night. Um, so we played the game, like you say, absolutely perfectly. If that was how, you know, you, Pep would have imagined the game to play out, it, it played out in exactly the way we, we'd, we'd have liked it to have done as a team. So, yeah, it was, it was absolutely perfect to, to the inch, really. I must admit, I do agree with that pace story because, um, it, it, again, I, I don't mean this in, in the wrong way, but the fact I was able to see it and see the overview, as soon as the players came racing over the halfway line uh, and... Perhaps I'd never quite realised how quick Kevin De Bruyne is, and maybe that's what's led to this hamstring problem. But the speed with which he he counterattacks, and the speed of Foden and Zinchenko and players like that in support, the intelligence of the positions that they took up. Um, and I know Louise has been a big fan of Zinchenko, so I know you're going to like any praise of Zinchenko. But he's quite rightly got a lot of praise as well now. And it, and it feels to me as in this type of team, the way Pep's team plays, perhaps in a different side where you're more reliant on more orthodox defending, he wouldn't be as strong. But in this team, he's absolutely the right man, isn't he? I mean, I, I kind of feel that, you know, certain players play exceptionally well playing in a certain way. And there are players that probably play better playing slower and, and more, you know, to a slower tempo than perhaps faster. And then there are players that play exceptional when there's speed. And, you know, you see that throughout the generations, throughout the teams of the Premier League, even people like Alan Shearer, you know, and, you know, Gascoigne, you know, you'll see that some players are absolutely fly and, and are exceptional when they're at speed. And, you know, even your Aguero's are like that. He's exceptional at speed. And I feel we do have those players in the team. And I'm always droning on about picking this, this speed up and getting those, throwing those players forward 
forward, getting them running with the ball and ball in front. So the others are chasing it down. And to me, that's what happened the other night. And that pleases me more than anything, because I know we've got these players that can do this. And um, to me, what Adam said was they were like, they were predatory the other night. They were absolutely there, ready, 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 bang, bang, bang. You know, it's almost like a pack of lions or something around a zebra to me. I know it sounds a bit, a bit exaggerative, but that's how it felt. And we won that match and we won it amazingly. And I kind of felt like I was watching a rugby game at times as well because they were so physical. And I'm always going on about that. Get the physical guys in, get the strength in, you know, get our players running at their players and their players are on the back foot and it's going to look scary and it's going to feel scary and we're going to win matches. And to me, that's just what happened the other night. And I pray we play like that in the final. And I pray we keep playing like that again. I want that style in every single match we play. Maybe this season, not possible. Next season, I want that kind of play. Like they're firing down the pitch. Come on, get it going, you know? <laughs> and did we see, I mean, Adam P, I mean, did we see yesterday um, in Rodri's performance the reason why Fernandinho uh, got the nod in that PSG game? Because I thought he was outstanding against PSG. It was his 36th birthday, but you wouldn't know that. I mean, if we didn't know he was 36, I would swear he was about 28. He, he looks 28. He plays like he's 28. And he has that combination of being clever, footballing clever, but also he can do little things that, you know, if the opposition were doing it, we'd be saying, oh, he's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a one him, you know, and I'm trying to be kind here, you know, the sort of thing that, Sergio Ramos can do and, and players like that. But you do need a player like that. To me, Fernandinho is key. He's got to play in the final, hasn't he? Well, uh, yeah, whether he will or not, I, I, I still don't know. I guess he's probably favourite to now. I mean, I love him and I agree with everything you've just said about him. But I also do like Rodri and maybe there's a few people who, who aren't a big fan of Rodri. I think we've got this squad of players and they've all shone at different times. And we've been talking all season about how Peppers rotated in and dropped people in and dropped people out. But that, but it's become clear over the last month or two that he's filtering it down to his, to his big game team. And I think what we saw this weekend was, was the, the, the downside of the fact that we have these players that are all great players, but they're at, they're out of favor at the moment. And there were so many of them on the pitch against Chelsea that they just couldn't, each of them couldn't live up to their best. And the, and the upside of that is the way we played against PSG, where everybody knows their job. And I think to Pep, that's as important as form and fitness and anything else, is knowing your job and doing your job right. And Fernandino knows what his job is. He, he's never out of position. He always knows what to do. Uh, personally, I think Rodri's a great player, but I agree with you. If the choice comes to, to Rodri or Fernandino and they're both fit on the day of the final, then yeah, Fernandino has to play. We're also seeing the football intelligence now, I think, of Riyad Mahrez, who, um, you know, can be a little bit predictable sometimes. You know what he's going to do, he's going to turn in, etc. But we're starting to see him really, uh, we know he's got fantastic ability. I mean, uh, you know, his instant control of a football is, is as good as any player I think I've ever seen. Um, and he can score crucial game, get goals with free kicks and, and with, with different things that he, he does. But his understanding of Pep's system and his appearance in certain positions when needed is getting better and better and better now. I mean, I, I've been completely converted on Riyad Mahrez. If I had any doubts, I'm completely converted now. What do you think, Adam W? Yeah, I completely agree. He's been, he's been absolutely excellent. He was really good. Um, last season as well, I felt uh, my mind was sort of changed on him last season. And this season, again, he just really stepped it up. And, you know, in those big games, we've been able to count on him. And that's what you pay your big bucks for. You know, we did pay a decent fee for him. And we knew that he's that, the sort of player that when you need someone to step up, he can step up. Uh, and he, he really has done. And he's, he's in that form now where even though he is predictable, you can't stop him from doing what he's doing. I know he's going to cut in. You know, if I'm a fullback, you know he's going to cut on you, cut in on you. Well, Robin used to do that, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. he's exactly like Robin. It's completely the same thing. You know what he's going to do, but try and stop him. You need two players, and that's the thing. As soon as you've got you've got two players trying to stop him from doing it, it leaves Bernardo free, and then Bernardo's in, and and that it drag. If he can't make it himself, it drags another player out, and and I think that's also key. It's about 
what he does, the danger that he possesses, the fear that he puts into the fullback and the centre half on his side. So yeah, I, I've been so impressed with him. And I, kind of, I kind of feel though that he was like quite selfish at one point yeah. and to keep his place on the pitch on the team he he was thinking in his own head he had to be really selfish get as many goals as he could and that led him really to keeping the ball for too long and he'd be losing it and he'd be getting himself into difficulties and that's what frustrated me and in the end last season more the season before he did a lot of turning around and passing it back again away from the goal and it really annoyed me as they're all up sort of, sort of towards that three quarters of the pitch so something's changed he has learned is becoming selfless less selfish reading that game you're absolutely right Ian is reading everything now it's fantastic and what it's led to is it's actually led to him scoring goals doing what he does best because he's being less selfless about self he's being less selfish about things so it's actually now working whatever's happening and I'm very very impressed by him and one of the things I wanted to say just a minute ago as well was most of the team especially Zinchenko they were so emotional after that match the other night um and I don't think it's because they're you know little sissy girls I think it showed the absolute passion and effort that, that every single player put into that game the other night that it was that breakdown of emotion that release of oh my god you know um like you do want to cry when you've gone through something I'm not going to say traumatic because that's the wrong word but I just feel like there was that much passion and effort that went into that match the other night that that's why you saw our players emotional you know we as City fans are renowned for you know the typical City tag and and almost expecting things to go wrong and fearing the worst. Am I the only one that now feels going into the Champions League final that we're going to win it? I'm not. I'm not even really particularly concerned about it. And I know that goes against the nature. And and I saw somebody because I said something a bit like that on social media. And I I think it was a United fan who came back to me and said, you know, don't be arrogant and everything. Um, I try not to be arrogant as a person and I try not to be arrogant in the way that I support City because that's one of the things that I'm not a big fan of with, with fans of other teams. But at the moment, um, I mean, I could be falsely uh, modest, but in the back of my mind all the time, and I'm, we're speaking here among City fans, I, I just feel it's a done deal. I just feel as if we're so good at the moment the team understands each other you know you've got uh, Diaz at the back for example who is quite rightly getting a lot of praise I'm not saying he's perfect as a defender you know yesterday when you look at a couple of the goals you thought where was he and you know what you know so he's not perfect but you know when you see him throw his head in the way of two shots against PSG and just get up and carry on without any fuss or drama you think that's the man I want at the back in my team. And so with that confidence, with that thing that you're talking about, Louisa, which is that, you know, that, you know, players like Zinchenko and I think it might have been Diaz hugging each other when one of those blocks was made. You know, that's the thing that gets you over the line in these big games. So I can't, I'm, I'm very confident and relaxed that we're going to win this Champions League. Are you three the same as me? Or are you, are you still more old school? It's a final. I mean, we could win it or we could lose it, you know. When Liverpool played Tottenham the other, the other year, they got a first-minute penalty, didn't they? I mean, you just, you can't, you can't say that. I mean, it's almost easier going in as the underdogs, I think, because you can only, you know, exceed your expectation. I'm scared, I think, because we are the favourites. We rightly are the favourites. Um, Pep seems to, this overthinking accusation that I do think he has done sometimes, that seems to have gone away now. We've just been talking about how he knows his team, he knows his formation. And yeah, we are the best. The league table tells you that we're the best. The performance at Stamford Bridge in January, whenever it was, tells you that we can beat this team. Um, it doesn't mean it's a given. Do you not think, though, that after the, the win at the Etihad, the win in the FA Cup semi-final, there'll be some people saying they're the favourites now? No, well, they need to look at our bench then, especially in that FA Cup semi-final. You need to look at our subs bench. Yeah. How are you feeling, Adam W? Um, I'm I'm confident. I'm I'm confident going into the game. I'm, I'm thinking if I was to play the game on a simulation, that we would win it. You know, without any sort of strange occurrences. You know, uh, eleven v eleven on a computer, we'd win it. 
Um, we're a better team than them. And I think we're yet to show them our, our full strength, obviously, um, because the last time we played full strength against them, they were under Lampard. Uh, it was a different game, different team. And since then, we've played a different team against them. Um, so I do still think uh, on the day uh, we should beat them. But like you say, it's a cup final. Crazy things can happen. And that's why you never know. And I can never say that I'm completely confident. Over two legs, I would be like, yeah, right. I think we'll. I think we'll do these. I think we can beat anyone over two legs, as we as we sort of proved. Um, but in ninety minutes of football, you just never know. Um, it could be a red card. There could be a dodgy goal, uh, a VAR decision, uh, something like that. So yeah, I'm confident, but I'm still nervous considering the occasion and the fact that it's so unpredictable. Louisa. Yeah, I'm very confident when uh, the other night was played, I the game finished and I just said to my mum, we're going to win this. Just We're just going to win it. I just had that feeling, the sense from them players at the end, you know, the whole match and then the way they were celebrating at the end. Um, and if if all the players have that same determination, um, you know, and that same, sort of like, like I just keep imagining Zinchenko right at the very end, the way he was just sort of acting and coming down from what he must have been experiencing through that match. And I know that it was very obvious on him um, because, you know, he was emotional, but I still think that each and every one of them was perhaps feeling the same thing. And if they can tap back into that, um, and then, then absolutely, you know, I do kind of, I do worry, everybody worries about these decisions. It might be a red card. It might be an early penalty for the other team. But if we just, we've, we've turned matches around this season quite nicely and quite well. And I actually think that we're in that kind of a mentality that we could turn it around anyway. And I'd like to think that Pep goes into the prep for it with that kind of um, thing in their mind. So not necessarily looking at Chelsea and their players and breaking down their play. Let's look at all the bad decisions that could go against us. Let's look at how you've reacted positively to something bad that's happened. Let's watch this footage here. Let's watch that footage there. See how you reacted there when you lost the ball. See how you reacted there when they got an unfair penalty. Tap into that, get into the psychiatry, psyche of the players for that final, and we will absolutely win it. Well, I think I think I'm more confident if we were playing Real, though. To be honest, I don't really know why. But Chelsea losing to Chelsea scares me more than losing to Real. I think that's all it is. That's very true. I mean, I fancied Real. Sorry, go on, Adam. I think it's because Chelsea are so well organised and they know exactly what they're doing. Whereas Real Madrid over. Uh, the quarterfinals and the semi-finals, it looked like they didn't really know what they were doing at the back. They were switching between a five and a four back. I know that was because Ramos wasn't fit for some of them, but even when Ramos was fit, um, playing in that Chelsea second leg, they looked so frail. Um, I think we'd have just cut right through them. So I did want Real Madrid, but, you know, I wouldn't mind. I would have taken either of them at the start of the season in the Champions yeah. League final. So. I presume I presume that everybody, that, that us, for us four anyway, that pretty much the same team that started PSG would be the team that you would want to play if everybody's fit, of course, in the final. Or, or is there anything you would change? Is the argument about Rodri or Fernandinho, but considering how well we play, I, I, I think I'd go Rodri. I think I'd, I'd stick with Rodri. I think Fernandinho suited the second half of, of, the, of the tie against PSG because... We didn't need to go on and, and score much. We just need a professional performance out of it. And Fernandinho is a really experienced player that knows how to do that job. But I think in terms of our strongest 11 and looking at the team that Pep's put out in that I, and in the games that we've needed to have a strongest 11 by that game, it's been Rodri. So I would, I'd still stick. I'd stick with Rodri in there. But apart from that, you know, I'd still stick with Zinchenko. Cancelo's gone off the boil. Um, just like every, you know, players going in and out of form. Cancelo had his form in the win run so great, but he's dipped now. You know, I, I don't blame him for that. You know, you have your form times and you don't. Um, so I'd stick with Zinchi. And yeah, apart from that, everyone else just picks themselves, really. Any other opinions on that? I mean, would you stick with the team, Adam, or would you go for you like Rodri as well? Yeah, I mean, I, there's other players. I mean, I know he gets a lot of flack for not scoring, but I like Gabriel Jesus, but I, I, I think it's... There's just no place for him at the moment. I think this team, this PSG team, is the team now. There, are, you know, there. Are, yeah, Cancelo would be unlucky to miss out after the season he's had. But um, I don't think you, you can say with any certainty that there's anyone in that PSG team who needs to drop out. It's, I mean, they've all they all did so well. I mean, that's that's the team that can win it for us. 
I suppose you'd just change them, um, put Mendy in at left back, would you, Louisa, and, and drop Zinchenko? <laughs> uh, let me think about that one. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird. Everyone, I think I've got a fancy for him, which I don't. You know, I'm not like, attracted to this guy. I just think he's just, since, since that match that we keep talking about where he made that one mistake because he was pulled in quite in the early days of his defend, defending career, you know, and he made that one mistake and he went back and he mopped up after himself and he made sure he didn't make that mistake again for a player that isn't even a defender to make this position his own. I'm just so impressed by somebody like him because there are so many players in so many teams across the world that can't play anywhere else on the pitch. No matter how expensive they are, no matter if they're the best player in the world, you know, put Messi at the back, see how he does. You know, put Mbappe somewhere, you know, in Kyle Walker's position, see how he does. All right, they might rise. It might do really well. But this, this is it. no way. This guy's playing. This guy's on the pitch, and this guy's going to score in that final. Okay. Well, let me ask you another question, which it's only a little question, really. Just something I noticed yesterday, which was the introduction of the double advertising boards. I just wondered if that was something that registered with you. I mean, we heard a couple of years ago that there were three extra rows at the front of all the stands to increase the capacity of the Etihad. They now are taking those three back out again to put a double layer of advertising, which is quite clever in the sense that it's all about depth um, perception. So instead of it being a big board, it's two double layers of boards that looks like a big board. Um, is that something that you even have an opinion on? Does it bother you? Um, I just wondered what you thought, because my son talked about it a little bit and, and said, oh, is it worth more having a board there than, than fans? Surely fans are more important. Obviously, I know they can't get in at the moment, but in the long run, next season, hopefully, we're back in there again and it and it's back to normal. I think well this whole this whole Super League business has made it clear to me that an advertising slot on a TV screen is more important to everybody in football than the fans. Um I don't like it. I still don't like the the middle ribbon that they have that goes around between the first and second tier. I find that's distracting from the game for people in the upper tiers. But they just quite simply don't care. It's all about the revenue. So what can you do? Yeah, it's clearly a money move, obviously. Um, I think it's negative for the atmosphere because the closer to the pitch you are, the better. You know, we've seen the issues um, at the London Stadium with West Ham um, at their old ground. They were so close to the pitch, whereas now they're so far away from the pitch. They still create a great atmosphere, to be fair to them, but it would be a lot better if they were closer and they've complained about that. So for us to bring the three tier, the, the three seats, uh, rows of seats in and then take them out, it seems just a really strange move. Probably should have thought about this a few years ago before they added the seats in. Um, I've been impressed by the way the club have dealt with it because I think from what I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the people that were there have been, re been relocated, um, but they've been given seats at the same price band as they would have had uh, in the bottom three anyway because it would have been really harsh because they're the cheapest seats in the house and the, the bottom few rows um, it would have been really harsh to relocate them elsewhere where they would have, would have had to have paid a lot more I'm not sure how long that price match is going to last so that'll be interesting um, to keep tabs on that and hopefully we can put pressure on it as fans uh, if, if they do start to go away from that promise of price matching that was where my issue lay with it um, moving fans away from cheaper seats and putting them in more expensive seats then obviously the, the atmosphere thing is big as well you know we're talking about wanting to improve the atmosphere at the Etihad this is actually taking a backward step. Louisa? Yeah do you know I didn't even notice it um, you know but which is but, fine which is yeah, fine I bet a lot of people yeah. didn't. Um, yeah but I mean there's nothing to say that I won't notice it when I'm there because one of the things that um, I, I struggle with most of the people that tune into this know I've got some disabilities and um, it's like light sensitivity and so when it's an evening match I do actually struggle a little bit with the brightness already of the stadium and, we, and you're right even with the scent you know the middle thing going around and everything moving around all the lights everywhere um, and you know I'm sure I'm not the only person that struggles with that kind of light sensitivity and so I'm not sure how it's going to be when I'm actually at the stadium and if it's going to cause me even more of an issue staring at the looking at the pitch you know and trying to see the players against these very bright you know sort of advertising whatever the heck's going to be going on and going around these boards I've no idea but will it distract from the players and from seeing the ball 
you know, moving with such bright lights behind it. Um, I, I, you know, and being able to tell who the, I know it sounds stupid, but tell who the players are, especially if you're in the higher seats, you know, is, is that going to do anything? I've no idea. I don't know. I'm just going to have to wait till we actually get back into the stadium. I think watching it on TV at home, obviously not going to make a big difference, but when you're actually in that stadium, we write about atmosphere you know there is sort of mostly still only that that side and that corner that sings although I think that I'm hoping that when we, you know we go back to the stadium it's everyone's just gonna be in full voice and I think this Covid thing might actually help uh, stadiums are up and down the country to get their voice back you know I know even over the other side of, of the city that um, they struggled with their singers and singing sections and they tried to bunch them all together at one point they relocated a lot of their fans to create a singing section uh, this was a few years ago when I worked I actually worked over there um, and so um, you know, I think it'd be great when we go back and we've got singers. Everyone's going to be singing, right? Well, actually, that brings us on to another question, which is all related to this. I mean, obviously, uh, Adam P uh, was on the City Matters Committee. I know that Adam is, is a very vociferous fan. This is the other Adam now, W, uh, in that singing section down there. And I just wonder how particularly you two, but Louisa as well, have felt that uh, things have progressed since the, the collapse of Super League. I mean, 1894 groups say that they still want to engage and get their points of view across, Kevin Parker. And, and by the way, we've, we've talked to Dante Friend on the podcast, who's the 1894 spokesman, and also Kevin Parker, who's the, the General Secretary of the Supporters Club, talking about the immediate aftermath and indeed during that Super League thing. Two very good men who are trying to do the right things. Well, if, if they're listening to this, today what would be your message and are they doing the right things to try to make sure that the UEFA Super League in three years from now isn't 10 games before Christmas which I don't think people want uh, and and how do we make sure that City don't go down the route of forgetting fans in the future? I think we've got to you know keep piling pressure on the club to put us first. I know that's a pretty, pretty simple way of putting it, but we have just got to keep at them. And luckily, we're, you know, we're going to get back in the stadium and we're going to be able to make our voices known. We'll be able to put displays out there. Um, the 1894 group are great at that. Um, and I think if, you know, when, when we do get back, we need to be putting pressure on them uh, by displays, um, by, you know, singing and chanting, um, doing things if necessary. We need to try and grab every single inch that we can get from the club after this because they know they've got to make it up to us so it's now a fact of us going right okay so prove to us how much you care you know you think they'll take notice though i mean you know they, they've been you know you know quite sort of stoic really i mean I, I don't know how they've reacted to to everything do you feel confident as a fan that your voice will be heard no but that doesn't say that we shouldn't try um, you know, we love the club. Um, they know that we love the club, but they know that, you know, if the Super League would have happened, we, I would have walked away. We, we would have walked away. So, you know, as much as we love the club, I'd, I'd quite happily gone and supported Warrington Town if we'd joined that Super League. We said it, I said it at the time. It was upsetting at the time, but I would have done that. A lot of fans would have done that. We just need, they need to understand that, you know, we do love the club, but we're not here to be messed with because what will happen, what happened at United could happen at City. And at the end of the day, fans matter because they can stop football games going ahead. So if it gets to that point, you know, football fans are important because they can stop football going ahead. And that's what they care about. So they've got to keep us happy and keep us on side. Otherwise, the things that happened at United would happen at City. I don't think it will because I don't think we'll ever go down that route. I don't think it would turn that bad. But if a Super League was announced, then City fans, you know, would quite happily turn up to the Etihad on a Super League night and stop the game going ahead. I would do that. I mean, obviously, there's the the fact that City are in the Champions League final, are about to win the Premier League, have won the League Cup, that we're watching this fantastic football and that we've had so far, until Super League came along, benevolent owners who were doing absolutely all the right things means that there isn't that same anger from City fans. But do you, do you believe then, just to come back to you again, Adam W, that that there is still, once this is all over, once this season is complete and we go back next year with a clean slate again, do you still think that there is some fans who, are, who, are, who aren't happy and who are questioning even our own owners? There'll be now an undercurrent of distrust, I feel, from fans. Um, I have 
believe that through all, you know, the UEFA legal process, that we're on the right side of the argument here. Throughout the whole thing, I've always felt, you know, City are against creating an, an elite. And we, we'd be quite happy to allow Everton or Newcastle to do what we've done and, and provide a challenge because that's, that's competition. But after that, we joined up with that Super League, even though, you know, we joined it because we were probably forced into it. We should have made a stand and said, no, this isn't right. When we can't be seen to be joining this. So really, we jumped the fence and we became exactly what we've been trying to fight against over the last three years. So, yeah, as we start next season, there should be an undercurrent of distrust because no matter what the club put out or whatever they say to us, we know that really, you know, they if, they, if push comes to shove, they'll abandon us and they'll follow whatever the best route is for the money. I know you're not involved anymore in City Matters, Adam, but you were part of it. And there's this talk of the golden fan on the board or 50 plus one. There's all sorts of different suggestions. Um, I mean, honestly, candidly, when you were on City Matters, did they take notice of you or were they just paying lip service to it? Um well, I found that the people in the room were always very engaged and there was often a case that, we, you know, we, we felt that we'd put our side across and that that was taken on board. But I feel like, um, you know, there's, there's a higher agenda. There's people, I don't know, in the UAE or wherever they are, that there's higher people that will have, have agendas that it doesn't matter what the people on the ground say. Um, so... Yes, it's fine. You can discuss the price of a pie or you can discuss the match day programme or the trams or those kind of things. But when it comes to the Super League, uh, you know, I, I, I cannot buy that City were somehow backed into a corner and somehow had to sign up to this against their will. They want it. They've, they've been called out on it. For whatever reason, it, this attempt has crumbled because it was so ham-fisted anyway. There is no doubt in my mind that in five years or possibly ten, we will be playing in a Super League. Once we're playing in a Super League, they will take it global. Once they take it global, they don't even need to play matches in Manchester anymore. So this idea that we as fans can shut this down, I think is incredibly misguided. Um, and I know Dante and I know Kevin, and I really admire their passion and dedication to the club and to yours and to many other fans. But to me, this is the line in the sand. These owners do not care about legacy fans. They only care about global screen-watching fans, and that's never going to change. If you were given the chance, Adam, and, that's a very, and thank you very much for being so honest, because you've got more of an insight than I have, than Adam has, than Louisa has, and most of the people listening, because I've never sat in one of those meetings, looking from the outside, you know, you feel a little sceptical, and you do think perhaps exactly what you've just said. If the club, and I know this probably won't happen, you know, but let's just say hypothetically, the club came to you, um, Adam, for your commitment to City Matters in the past and said, would you like to be the fan on the board? Would you like to be the one who has this, uh, who represents the fans? Would you think to yourself, um, yeah, great, what an opportunity, I can try and make a difference? Or would you be so sceptical about it all that you'd think they're going to use me as a patsy? I wouldn't be interested in it. And let's just say, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not the right person for that job anyway. It would never happen, but... I don't think I don't think it's would be a useful way to spend my time. Wasn't Dave, Dave Wallace a fan the board? He was for a while, yeah. It, yeah. He said himself it never worked. You know, he was he was there. It was basically lip service when he was there, and it would be the same. You know, if it came to a vote on the Super League, even if you were given a vote, you'd be outvoted. So it's it's pretty much pointless. I I don't see I, it. It would literally just be there as a token gesture. I don't see the reason why it would happen. I kind of worry that um, even though we're doing incredibly well, that this COVID situation hasn't really helped matters because we can still win games and win leagues without fans in the stadium. Um, so the question is, do fans being in the stadium really matter? Well, mm, no. <laughs> I mean, financially, of course, there's revenues to be made from that. But if there's a, a forward future idea where revenue can be made without fans in stadiums then that that might be the future where certainly the Premier League is heading anyway or this Super League you know if that does come in is heading um, which is quite worrying um, I don't believe anybody is it's like it's just loyalty isn't it and I don't believe that many teams believe in loyalty except like Premier League teams um, you know so I don't think they'll be doing anything for the fans. 
Um, I think they're just doing it for themselves and the club and for the status we're now at and the status that they'll want to maintain. And um, it's a bit like back in the days when I used to work for one of the airlines I worked for and um, the airline used to make that much money on cargo that they didn't need bums on seats. That's what that's what you call the, the passengers. You, we didn't need one passenger on board any of our aeroplanes to make any difference, which is why it was a charter airline. So it's why charters can be so cheap because you get your holiday and everything involved in the same price. You know, it's great. Um, and so they just did it. It was just part of the package. And I just fear that there may be within football that kind of an idea that might not need bums on seats anymore because it's the revenue is going to come from something else and if it's going to come from something else which is some super league then they're just going to get a brand new batch of fans that love super league you know they love and it's all future stuff and things are all online if you want to sit at home and pay your money and watch it from the comfort of your own home and it's not a nice future to look at from people that do currently love going to the football and love going to the stadium, but it's certainly a possibility that could happen. What a really interesting insight that is, Louisa. Thanks for sharing that, because that, that is something I hadn't really thought of, and uh, and, and that is that is really thought-provoking. I mean, I, I as, a, as a legacy fan, which is what I am, uh, and having watched City for so long, um, at the moment, I'm just giddy and excited because City are in the Champions League final and the chances are that even if it was played in Istanbul, um, I'd probably be there because of the work that I do for Sony TV India, even if I have to go in a hotel for two weeks when I get back and pay a fortune for it. You know, But the, the likelihood is that, that I would be there. Hopefully it won't be there and everybody can go. That's certainly my aim and I think I'd enjoy it a lot, lot more if there were uh, 10, 15,000 City fans as well as Chelsea fans at either Wembley, uh, Hamden, um, even Lisbon, where, wherever, somewhere where fans can get to. But I wonder how many people who are my age, and I know you three are not, but I wonder how many people my age and who feel more like legacy fans um, at the moment are parking all their thoughts about Super League and the way the club is run and thinking, for now, I'm just going to focus on, on this Champions League because if City win the Champions League, that's it, I've done the set. You know, I've seen them win the Premier League, I've seen them win the League Cup several times. I think seven times or something, the FA Cup, uh, the, the Community Shield. Uh, I've been all over Europe. I've seen City play at Barcelona, Real Madrid, Ajax, you know, you name it, Moscow. I've been, been everywhere. So once that's done and you've won the Champions League, do, do I, do others then suddenly think, right, am I really as bothered as I once was before, especially the way the club's going? Um, I, I actually don't know what my answer is to that. Because I won't know until afterwards. What about you, Adam P? Yeah, it's, that sums up exactly how I'm thinking. And I'm feeling like if we do go on and win this Champions League, it, it is almost like a full stop in, in terms of... It, ch it changes the club forever in terms of what we... The world reputation. Totally from in a football perspective, it takes us into that elite European football level that, we, that we've never hit before. And it changes us forever. And I think that corresponds with... This, this 21st century vision of football as a business and football as TV content and all that. And personally, I've been going for 40 odd years as well. And it, it would seem from my own personal perspective to be a natural end to a cycle for me. And of course I'll always be a City fan and I'll still watch it on the box or whatever, but I feel like I'm the club is going to become, it's becoming a new club and I'm going to become a different type of fan alongside that. Wow. What about you, Adam? You're a lot younger. Can you relate to, to the things I've been saying and, and Adam P is saying? Um, no, personally no. <laughs> I didn't think you would. <laughs> I am, you know, I'm 22 years old. I want to be going, watching City for, for many more years to come. You know, I've only experienced, I've only been a season ticket holder for four years now. I went games the odd time. I've watched every game on TV before then, but I've only started really watching City every single, every single other week, going to the games for the last four or five years. I've really enjoyed it. So I want to hopefully, you know, be part of the, the group that could pressure the club into making them care a bit more about us and um, try and maintain the club as it once was, you know? Because um, I think if we were to abandon it, which, you know, it would be fine for people to do, 
you do give up it does you you are giving up and saying yeah you know it's it's completely different things have changed blah 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 whereas i'd rather think you know what things are changing and things will change but i'd like to maintain some parts of the old city you know the parts that you know my dad spoke about that you speak about i'd like to maintain that going forward i think it's our generation the youngsters the 20 odd year olds that know about how it used to be but are also forward thinking and can adapt to the future I think it's our generation that needs to maintain the old parts while adapting to the new parts. So I think we do hold a role, uh, people of my age and in, in our 20s, uh, to the continuation of the club and the maintaining of, of its traditions. I, everybody I kind of, everybody I, has a role. Yeah, I agree. And I kind of think one of the um, sort of maybe integral things for that is the team as well because to have players that um when you watch them on the pitch that that they're at home they've, they've come home when they're playing for us and they're not gonna just come in and out you know like some some players can throughout their careers they can play for many different teams and I think at the moment currently as things stand pretty much almost every player on that pitch is is at home there are players that aren't but there were pretty much everyone and you know you think Kevin De Bruyne is a City player and hopefully he'll stay for most of his career you know and as has Aguero stayed for all this time and David Silva and you know and, and Edison you know let's keep these people as part of the home and part of the family and if the players and the team are a part of the City family then Manchester City will maintain the club as a family club but if that starts changing, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start then getting a bit worried. But at this moment in time, you know what I said earlier, I don't mean that's going to be next week or next year. You know, that's just a possible future for Premier League or Super League football. Um, and I think for, for now, we're still a family team and we're still a family club. And yes, let's fight and do everything we can to keep that. Right. Final question for this podcast. Um, I've left, deliberately left this to the end because, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, by the time you listen to this podcast, this decision may already have been made. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. So if you're listening to this now and you've already heard what's happening with the Champions League final, that it's staying in Turkey or it's come to Wembley or whatever, this bit probably is irrelevant. So if you pause now and just join us again for the next week, I can understand it. But let's give you our thoughts on that. I mean... You know, the, at the moment, Istanbul and UEFA say definitely. The rumours are that the government is talking to the FA, is talking to the Turkish authorities, because on Friday, for anybody that's listening to this outside of the UK and perhaps isn't across the story, on Friday, Turkey was identified as the red zone for English travellers, which basically means unless laws are changed or loopholes are created, even the players will have to go into a government hotel when they fly back into the UK after that game for 10 days at the cost, obviously not of them, with the clubs that pay for it, as well as the journalists, as well as the VIPs, as well as any fans that, that, that could somehow might be able to get in or want to go to Turkey. So the suggestion is that this game gets moved. One possibility is Wembley we know that the complication of that is it's the playoff final weekend either they could be moved or the Champions League could be moved one week or moved to the following Wednesdays ways that could be done um, there's the possibility of the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff I've even heard Hampden Park mentioned and the latest one today as we're recording this was that Lis Sporting Lisbon Stadium was mentioned because they're in the so-called green zone how do you three feel about where this game should be played. Adam P, what do you think? Uh, well, I, it would be clear-cut if it weren't two English sides in it, I guess, that it should just stay in Turkey. But it's, it's complicated by the fact that, yes, it's two English sides and it's this, and this red list situation. So I can understand why there's going to be pressure coming from, from the UK onto UEFA. Personally, I would be surprised if, the, if they were interested in moving it at all. But... Um, you know, you seem to think that there is a real risk possibility. Um, it would make sense to move it. It would be a bit harsh on Istanbul, I guess. But, um, you know, if we can get 20,000 fans in to watch a game as opposed to not getting any fans in to watch a game, then I can certainly see there's a good rationale for moving it. Where would you move it to? If you had a free choice then, 
would it you before we went started recording this you mentioned villa park which has been ruled out because it's not uefa you yeah. know sanctioned or whatever is that you but that's what you'd do is it villa that's park? just what came off my head i mean i just don't see why we have to go and play it you know five miles away from chelsea's home ground why you know why we, all us northerners always have to pile down to wembley to, to fit twenty thousand people into the stadium really adam w yeah i think my first thoughts would be we need to try and get fans in there. And if there's a, a location where we can get fans in there, England, then you've got to move it to there. Uh, I do feel sorry for Istanbul because obviously they were meant to have it last season. They couldn't do. But, you know, the place hasn't you know turned into a war zone considering they didn't have it last year either. So they could always just delay it till next year, guarantee it them next year um, and, you know, move it along. I know it's planned, but just move, move everyone along a year. Um, yeah, I think it would be good to have it perhaps in Scotland at Hamden where neither team will feel at home in their own city because I wouldn't, you know, Old Trafford hasn't been considered, but that's probably because it's in Manchester <laughs> and not in London. And, and But there's no difference because, you know, Chelsea are not too far away from Wembley. So it's a bit it of a tired hard. stadium though, Old Trafford, isn't it? It wouldn't look good for you if it's a place it like that. It's for quality, you know, it's got the A-list, it's got, it's got, all, it's got all the stuff that it needs. So, um, yeah, I'd quite like it to go up to Scotland, but I think it needs to be moved to where we, where we can get fans. If we can get fans to Istanbul, brilliant. Um, but it doesn't look like the government are going to budge on the red list thing. So, yeah, I think it needs to be moved to the UK, but not to London. Louisa? Um, I know, I think there's a lot of ifs and buts uh, surrounding this story. You know, is it possible that the government put Turkey on the red list so we'd get the Champions League final? Who knows? <laughs> um, but then there's also the ifs and buts of um, the exception of Formula One. You know, and that, you know, we talk about this often, we bring racing in every now and again, that they have exemptions for their teams and their staff and their personnel uh, when they travel to and from uh, Turkey. You know, they did last season because Turkey was a standing race for one of the races where they couldn't go to and it's been put back on the calendar again this season uh, for one of the races that they can't do so is there an exception there for the players and the uh, teams personnel and for people like yourself as well you know for the journalists among us um, yeah I don't know there obviously won't be fans be allowed to go but there could be exceptions for the teams and the personnel um, but I would uh, personally not want it to to be in Turkey because I think that it would be nice for Turkey to actually have this final and for them to have visiting fans as well and you know in that stadium to be full of proper uh, football supporters for the teams and I don't think they'll mind particularly if it does get delayed as long as there's a guarantee for them to eventually have it so um, where I would like it as I don't know I don't really mind as long as it's not um, too too close to London you know is what we've just said about it, it's, it always seems unfair fair that you know northern teams are always traveling to the south and it does give the other team kind of like that home advantage so if it does have to be played up in scotland or you know do, is wales not, not on the agenda anymore you know do we not play you know can we not play there you know we used to play quite big games down there that's millennium stadium isn't it I've, please say i've remembered that correctly um you know can we not play it there that was always a good a good place to go and play a decent game of football a nice big tournament you know yeah let's go there neutral ground um, I'm, I'm just ha I'm happy to be in the final first of all um, and I would like Turkey to have the chance to have it when it's a proper game and a proper final. Well how I would finish this podcast off as I say at the risk of somebody saying ah you weren't right were you um, it feels to me as if Wembley is going to be where it's going to be played um, it feels to me as if politically and everything that that's the, the decision we're heading in and as we're recording this on a Sunday night uh, I feel that behind the scenes, all the negotiations are going on at the moment as to whether this game will be played over the weekend when the playoffs would be. I feel very sad and disappointed if they've got to be moved. I don't see why the Champions League couldn't be moved back to maybe the Tuesday night or something like that. Um, or, you know, some other way of doing it. I don't quite know how, but it feels like Wembley is, is going to be the destination. For me, the most important thing is that lots of City fans and Chelsea fans get to actually go after the horrendous year that we've had to actually have 
10, 15, however many thousands of people it is to be in that stadium, I think is would be such a lift for everybody. From a selfish point of view, that wouldn't matter because I'd probably be there anyway. But for everybody else, and I do care about that, um, I want to see as many City and Chelsea fans in that ground. If I had to pick a stadium, given the, all the circumstances, the use of Wembley, I agree with you, Louisa, the Millennium Stadium where the FA Cup final was played while Wembley was being rebuilt, to me would be perfect because it's sort of the same distance for Chelsea and City. It's within the UK. It's a fantastic stadium. And actually, it would bring us a bit full circle because... The first City game back in Europe since the 70s was in that stadium against Total Network Solutions. I was there commentating on the game that night. There were only about 15, 20,000 or whatever it was that was in there. It'd be lovely to see that full of City and Chelsea fans in the Champions League final to be there. By the time you listen to this, the decision's probably already been made. Um, so what will be, will be. We'll do another podcast next weekend. I'm not sure yet whether we're going to record it on the Saturday or Sunday because City play Newcastle on the Friday night. If I can persuade Terry Thielen, who is AWOL tonight, to come on, I might plan it around him at a time that suits him on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, in the meantime, um, have a great week. Um, obviously, thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk and the chartered uh, surveyors and mortgage advisors uh, for their support of the podcast. Without them, there wouldn't be a podcast. But a big, big thanks to the two Adams, Adam P and Adam W, to Louisa for whizzing in at the final end to substitute for Terry Phelan. Who would have thought that, eh? You came on for Terry Phelan today, Louisa, and played at left back, your favourite position. So there you go. Thanks very much for... <laughs> For that, thanks for everybody for their support, retweeting and sharing and everything. And uh, what a great week. I know City lost against Chelsea in the league and, and I was as disappointed as anybody else. But overall, what a great week it's been. Hasn't it been great this week? It's always great to be a Blue. <laughs>